SpaceX launched its first Starship rocket, complete with super heavy booster, from its starbase in Texas on April 20th, 2023. It wound up exploding in midair. But at the same time, was deemed a successful launch. But how do we square that circle? What up, what up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to the Spun Today podcast, the only podcast that is anchored in writing, but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening. This is episode 232 of the Spun Today podcast. And in this episode, I speak about watching the movie The Fablemans, which is a semi-autobiographical story of a moment in time in Steven Spielberg's adolescence. I also speak about the recent historic launch of SpaceX's Starship. And I also touch on the recent bombshell news within the cable news space of both Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon being fired from Fox and CNN, respectively. Stick around for all that good stuff. But first, here is a way that you can help support this podcast if you so choose. Your support means a ton. It really, really helps both financially to help me pay the bills and keep the lights on, and also from an intangible motivation perspective, which fuels me to continue to write, podcast, and produce these shows. So here's one quick way that you can help support the Sponsor Today podcast if you so choose, and then we'll jump right into the episode. If you want to help support the Sponsor Today podcast financially, you can do so by going to sponsoraday.com forward slash support. Here you'll find a few different ways that you can do so. You can shop on Amazon, but first go to my website, sponsoraday.com forward slash support. Click on the Amazon banner, which will take you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It will not cost you anything extra, but I will get credit for driving traffic to their website. Another cool way that you can help support this show is through Patreon, where you can set up reoccurring donations to my podcast, whether it be $1 per show, $2 per show, etc. And depending on how much you choose to pledge, you will receive some Patreon perks in return. Things like free writing pieces, free bookmarks, free digital copies of my books, etc. Again, my Patreon link can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. You can also set up similar reoccurring payments via my Ko-fi page. And if you want to send a one-time happiness bomb donation, if you will, you can do so via my PayPal link. Again, all of which can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. The Fablemans. This is a semi-autobiographical of a moment in time in a young Steven Spielberg's life. And here is the official synopsis. Growing up in post-World War II era Arizona, young Sammy Fableman aspires to become a filmmaker as he reaches adolescence but soon discovers a shattering family secret and explores how the power of films can help him see the truth. This film was, of course, directed by the prolific Steven Spielberg. And as I like to do here on the Spun Today podcast, let's shout out the writers. 
because without the writers, we have nada. And this film was co-written by Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner. Big, big shout out to them. And I also want to shout out the cast. I had a great cast, starting with Michelle Williams, who played Steven Spielberg's mother. In the story, she's depicted as Mitzi Fableman. She did an amazing, amazing job. I think I'm sure she'll be nominated for this movie. Paul Dano, which we got to see in this movie in a completely different light. He played um, the Riddler in last year's The Batman movie, which is the one where Robert Pattinson played Batman. But we see him in this film playing Burt Fableman, which is Steven Spielberg's father. Seth Rogen. Shout out to Seth Rogen. Fucking love Seth Rogen. Big, big shout out to him. He plays Benny Lowy, which is the father's best friend and co-worker. Gabriel LaBelle plays Sammy Fableman, which is Steven Spielberg's character. He plays like the older teenage version. Then Matteo Zorian plays the younger Sammy Fableman. And those are the, the main characters in the film. You have an honorable mention of uh, Judd Hirsch, who plays Uncle Boris. He has like a, a few scene cameo, um, but definitely one memorable line that he has in one of his scenes, which I'm going to share with you guys in a bit. So the movie is very much a coming of age story of Steven Spielberg's life. And he explores the different dynamics of the relationships in his life. His relationship with his mother and his sisters, of which he had three his relationship with his father, father's relationship with the mother, how he got introduced to filmmaking and how he became passionate for him, the way he assimilated with his peers and making friends and enemies as a result of moving around a lot due to the nature of his father's work, his relationship with religion and being Jewish at a time and in neighborhoods where he was definitely the minority. And I really enjoyed the vulnerability within all of those moments. So his father was a computer engineer, computer programmer, really respected and brilliant within his field. And because of that, worked for companies like GE, and then because of inventions and things that he engineered, was headhunted by IBM, and they wound up moving from Arizona to California, to like the Silicon Valley area, if I'm not mistaken. And prior to that, I don't remember if they moved from somewhere else to Arizona or just like moved around a bit within Arizona. We definitely got the sense of that picking up and leaving because the father was was so driven by his work and what he was doing that it kind of came off as like a normal thing that the family would just pick up and leave whenever, you know, dad's work said you had to. And the impacts of those moves and of those decisions to the rest of the family kind of seemed lost on him in a way even though from his perspective he's taking on so much work and doing something that he very clearly enjoyed doing and loved and innovating within his space but taking on more work and moving to where the work was and to having a bigger team and a more prestigious position and putting all that on his shoulders from his perspective was sacrifices that he was making for his family to be able to provide them a big house and things that he never had. And he had a very practical, learn a skill, work hard at it type of outlook on life. And he wanted that for his son. And the mother on the flip side, she was very artistic. She played piano. In the movie, when uh, Uncle Boris comes to visit, he says that she was so good that she could have been a like a concert pianist. And Steven Spielberg is obviously somewhat of a dreamer, if you want to call it that. 
and is beginning at this age in his adolescence to find his love and passion for film. So he has these like juxtaposed examples between his father, who's a computer engineer, programmer guy, very practical, do a trade, work hard, and provide for your family. And on the flip side, you have his mother, which is artistic, follow your heart, and actually has a dope line within the movie where she says, and it kind of foreshadows her resentment in a way towards the father, in my opinion, where she's telling where she's telling Steven Spielberg's character that you do what your heart tells you you have to do because you don't owe anyone your life. And to me, in a way, she's resentful of the fact that she gave up her dream of being a concert pianist to get married and have children and become a homemaker and kind of sort of go with the flow with wherever the father's career takes the family. And you get a sense of like the pain she felt for feeling that she had to do that. Then we have Seth Rogen's character, which is Benny Lowy. And he's a member of his father's team, of Burt Fableman's team uh, at work in Arizona, and a very close family friend, the father's best friend. Uh, all the kids call him Uncle Benny. So he's like always around. He's like the comedic relief of the movie. And we later find out that he's actually a lot closer to the mom than he is to the dad. <laughs> um, not funny. It's fucked up. But um, we find out that his mom, Mitzi Fableman, is in love with the best friend, Benny. And Benny's in love with her. And they were having an affair for years. And Steven Spielberg's character finds this out because he is already at this point, you know, into filmmaking and films and just like recording everything. He has this little camera that his father gets for him because even though he always downplayed the whole movie thing and wanted his son to pursue a practical type of trade and and living, he did support him in that way, but just was like condescending towards it. Like here, this is for your hobby and would always constantly call his filmmaking and love of art and stuff like that a hobby. But anyway, his Steven Spielberg's character is always just like filming everything and they took this like family vacation to the lake for camping which benny went on and while he was editing the film from that trip he started noticing things like in the background of stuff that he was filming like he would be filming something with the sisters but in the background he would see the mom and his dad's best friend holding hands off camera kind of like gazing into each other's eyes and kind of flirty And we as the viewers, we kind of see this throughout the film where the mom laughs like extra hard at like Benny's jokes, kind of ignores the dad a bit. And then Steven Spielberg's character begins like acting out towards his mom after he realizes uh, what's going on. And he edited that piece out of the film, which by the way, the editing back then, it's like literal film. If you guys remember, I'm too young to remember video camera film but or I am old enough rather to remember camera film, photo camera film, just like physical film, like rolls and rolls of film that he would edit by literally cutting with a scissor and splicing them together afterwards. So like cutting out pieces, putting in other pieces. There's actually this really cool scene with it where his father kind of like appreciates his ingenuity. I'm no, I'm no, I know I'm going a bit off topic real quick, but his father appreciates his ingenuity because he created this film with his friends of it's like a war movie it's called escape to nowhere and he films the movie with a bunch of his friends in arizona and he's like in the the boy scouts so they have like a little movie premiere he invites his parents to it and then the movies they're silent back then right there's just uh like he would play music in the background like a little radio tape player tape deck uh player to go along with what you see 
projected on the screen. And what's really cool is that he has like gun shooting scenes and you see him coming up with this while he's filming. He's like, damn, it looks too, it looks too fake while he's editing rather. But then in the premiere, they look like real gunshots and the, like everybody's like, whoa, this shit looks like so real. That's crazy. And his father kind of looks at him like, how the heck did you do that? That's amazing. Like with genuine pride for his son. And then on the drive home, he tells his father asks him about it and he tells him that he poked holes in the film so the light at the moment where the gun fires the light like shines through that much more so like on the screen when it's projecting it looks like a pop you know like a burst uh, of light so it looks like the guns are actually like going off and the father kind of bonds with him in that moment he's like oh what you do is very similar to what i do in engineering where you're confronted with a problem and you figure out a solution for it so I thought that was like a, a pretty dope moment between them two and kind of like the opposite of what you normally see of this like hesitant kind of support for the hobby of your child while failing to see that it's something that they're super passionate about and want to devote their lives to. But yeah, so he going back to the story with the mom and him acting out towards her and, you know, editing this film, he edits out the pieces where Uncle Benny and his mom were clearly, you know, something was going on between the two. So, he, you know, he can show the film to the whole family and everybody can like look back on, on their trip together. But he holds on to this footage of the mom and Uncle Benny. And, you know, the mom is confronting him about, you know, why the hell are you, have you been acting out lately? They have this argument and he just shows her the film and then she like breaks down crying. They have this kind of intimate, vulnerable moment. And he tells him that he's not going to tell his father. And he, for some reason, apologizes to the mom. I guess feeling, you know, that he exposed her and like hurt her in that moment. And he lives with the secret for a long time until in the movie, they ultimately divorce the parents and the father who's always, you know, very career oriented, very into his work. But at home, it was more like whatever the mom said goes aside from, you know, the picking up and leaving and moving and stuff like that which was again, driven by his father's career choices. And I wonder how much of that is a product of him just being so into his work that he's kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you and the kids, whatever, not paying mind to that, versus how much of that was just him playing second fiddle, if you will, to the mom. And it was so much so that even after, and this is the way it's depicted in the film, and I'll tell you guys how it really went down in real life, according to Steven Spielberg himself, but even after and like during the divorce, like the father took the blame for it in the eyes of the kids saying that, you know, it's because of work and it was his decision and stuff like that so that they wouldn't be upset with the mother. And ultimately, she moves back to Arizona with the, the friend, Uncle Benny. And in the movie, it seemed like Steven Spielberg stayed with the dad in California because that's, you know, where he was applying for colleges or he had already started going to college and trying to do jobs in filmmaking, you know, like break into the industry and stuff like that. And then his sister's left with the mom back to Arizona. I believe that's how I went in the movie. Now, in real life, it was very, very close to that. This is based on the Fresh Air podcast with Terry Gross when Steven Spielberg was on there and he was sharing a lot of uh, his experiences. And he mentioned how when they broke up, his father did do, you know, like take the blame for what was going on but that he really resented his father for doing so because he knew that it was the mother's fault. And the father also knew of the, the mother's 
uh, relationship with with uh, Benny, the best friend at this point. And he, Steven Spielberg, felt like his father was being weak in that and like really resented his dad for it. And because of that caused a real disconnect in their relationship that lasted almost 15 years. And he said, you know, he would still speak to his father, but like on his birthday, holidays, like stuff like that, like he really had like no close relationship with his dad for 15 years because he let that like resentment towards the way his father handled that moment and kind of like left his let his mom off the hook i guess the way he handled that which to me seems like maybe that was his it almost seemed like he was projecting how angry he was at the way that he handled knowing and harboring that secret for years that his mother had and how he was upset with himself for not doing something and then seeing that his father was kind of sort of not doing something about it either and you know just divorced her and let her go be with his best friend or you know quote unquote letter because i mean it's not up to him at that point right but maybe his emotional disconnect from his dad was a projection of how he felt that he himself didn't do enough in the moment of the situation and i mean what kid could and what kid should you know even harbor a secret like that but i thought that was a an interesting and important distinction between how it went down in real life versus the movie and now just a couple of lines of dialogue that I'd be remiss if I didn't share that I wanted to share with you fine folks, which is one thing that his father told him multiple times throughout the movie, but definitely stood out in uh, one scene in particular. He tells him, quote, you can't just love something. You have to take care of them, right? And I thought that was an important and true takeaway that relates to relationships or just things in general that you do. That you enjoy doing you can't just love writing and podcasting you have to take care of it you have to pay attention to it you have to dedicate time to it etc uncle boris played by judd hirsch in a scene tells a young steven spielberg who is struggling with his love of art and balancing that with his love for his family tells him that quote art will give you crowns in heaven and laurels on earth but it'll tear your heart out and leave you lonely describing a bit there the uh, ultimate artist struggle and lastly there was this really funny scene where he gets invited to this girl's house who's a like a christian jesus freak is the best way i could describe her <laughs> and um he's obviously jewish but they're hanging out in her room and she has like the shrine of a bunch of you know crosses and photos of jesus and he's just like sort of psyched out to even be there you know he's having a tough time assimilating to the to this new high school and a way of life that kids in California seem to have. So he's kind of sort of yesing her to death and just going with the flow. And ultimately she starts kissing him and then they go into bed and they're making out a bit, but he's eyes open and looking up and there's this huge cross of Jesus above her bed and Jesus is just like staring down at him. <laughs> but he <laughs> continues on kissing her and I just thought that was a funny scene. Probably hearing it secondhand on audio doesn't do it justice, but just take my word for it. It'll be funny if you guys watch it. And that, folks, is my little recap and review of The Fablemans. I highly recommend and think you should check it out. SpaceX launched its first Starship rocket, complete with Super Heavy Booster, from its starbase in Texas on April 20th, 2023. It wound up exploding in midair but at the same time was deemed a successful launch 
how do we square that circle? So according to USA Today, shortly after SpaceX's, again, massive historic launch, because this is like the largest rocket ship launch, it's uh, 400 feet high. I think it's like as high or higher than the Statue of Liberty, for example. It successfully cleared liftoff, cleared the, the launching pad's tower that holds the rocket ship, which was the goal of the launch, but then broke apart and exploded in the air shortly after that. So the purpose of the mission, again, according to USA Today, was a test of the new rocket's ability to ignite and clear the pad's 500-foot tower, which was successful. However, several of the 33 Raptor engines failed to fire up as planned after three minutes into the flight, which then caused the Starship's upper stage and the super heavy booster to fail to separate. Now, apparently there's something called a flight termination system, AKA FTS, and SpaceX did later confirm that the rocket's breakup was triggered by the FTS system. And this flight termination system is essentially explosives that are built in to key areas of the rocket which are a safety and licensing requirement. And the purpose of them is to automatically trigger if any hardware fa failures are detected. And that is apparently the case of what happened here, but not before completing that first initial successful leg of the mission and gathering the data that they set out to gather. And I have heard Elon Musk say in interviews in the past that you know, rocket ships explode all the time. It's part of that entire engineering process. And that each time you get a certain amount of data from these experimental uh, flights and takeoffs that you set out to retrieve and use that information to make your next launch that much better. And the next launch for Starship, according to SpaceX, will be in a couple of months. So definitely stay tuned for that. And I've definitely spoken about SpaceX in the past and how they really innovated this awe-inspiring rocket company space and took it from being just a government industry to now having this privatized sector of it, which has led to much faster innovation and competition with subsequent companies, private companies like Blue Origin and Virgin Galactic, etc. with SpaceX being the pioneer in that private space and paving the way. But I wanted to highlight this stat that I thought was worth sharing because I knew SpaceX was like the first in that realm of uh, private rocket ship companies. And because of them, we were able to send American astronauts back to the International Space Station, launched from American soil for the first time in decades and have since multiple times, which I covered here in a previous episode of the podcast. But I, again, didn't know how much further along they were than the other companies in the space. And this stat definitely highlights that and I wanted to share with you guys. So SpaceX has in a successful launch every, on average, every two weeks or so, whether it be again, taking folks to the space station, taking up supplies, taking up satellites for different companies, including the Starlink satellites that Elon has been taking up to space for years to ultimately offer high-speed internet around the world, especially in um, like internet deserts in remote and rural areas where you know, you're not getting cable, for example. But SpaceX has done more successful launches than every other private company that exists, plus the country of Russia combined, which I thought was pretty sick. Like I knew they were ahead, but I don't know how far, how much further ahead they were. And that kind of puts that in perspective. So shout out to SpaceX. 
continue doing what you guys are doing. And real quick, speaking of space, completely unrelated to SpaceX itself, but I'm going to be featuring a podcast as the podcast of the week in my newsletter, spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, which you can subscribe to for free, where every week I feature a podcast of the week that I recommend for folks to listen to, as well as a few other things. So definitely check it out, spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe if you want to check it out, but it's going to be featured in, in a week or two. And it's from the Rethinking podcast, where they interviewed sci-fi writer Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian. And I just wanted to share a tidbit about his story real quick. And my fellow writers out there will definitely appreciate this. He started writing on the side. It's something that he always enjoyed doing. He had a, a website, a blog, where he would post like serialized fiction. He would add, you know, like a chapter at a time to his website for different stories that he wrote. And it was a, a passion, a side project of his, if you will. While he had a fairly successful nine to five in computer programming and as a software engineer, not dissimilar from Steven Spielberg's father, which we were speaking about earlier. But one of the stories that he wrote on his website was The Martian. And he said in this episode of the Rethinking Podcast that he had about 3,000-ish visitors to his website, like at its peak. And this was one of his more popular stories. You know, he had a, a really good job. He worked for companies like AOL and I think different video game companies as well. And he was like 25 years into his career. And the story of the Martian that he put on his website gate was fairly popular with, with you know, his 3,000-ish visitors at its peak to his website. So he decided to self-publish it as a book and did so, did so on Amazon, as we do, as self-published authors, you know, Amazon, Kindle, etc. And it started gaining momentum and selling well on there. And that success, uh, or the success of the book there, rather, got the attention of Random House, the big uh, publishing house, and offered him a deal, obviously, to publish The Martian, which they did. That did fairly well. And that got the attention of director Ridley Scott, which then turned into the film deal to turn his book, his story, The Martian, into the blockbuster hit that we know today, starring Matt Damon. Matt Damon. And I love Matt Damon, but thanks to Team America, I can never say his name without doing that. <laughs> but anyway, I just thought that was a dope, inspiring part of Andy Weir's story that he shared on that podcast. And again, I will share with you guys within my absolutely free weekly newsletter that you can subscribe to right now at sponsor.com forward slash subscribe. Tucker Carlson. As Don Francisco and El Chacal would say, y fuera. Don Lemon, as Don Francisco and El Chacal would say, y fuera. Two absolutely huge bombshells of information dropped this week within the cable news realm, which is the firing, the terminating, the parting of ways depending on which outlet is disseminating the information between Tucker Carlson and Fox News. And on the flip side, Don Lemon and CNN. Starting off with the Tucker Carlson piece, which is probably the more surprising one, based on the fact that Tucker was the host of Fox's largest viewed program. He's the largest uh, news personality that they had and had just re-upped a multi-year deal, re-signed a multi-year deal 
in 2021. And he and Fox agreed to amicably, quote unquote, part ways, which doesn't seem to be the case being that in scenarios where it actually is like an amicable separation, you know, mutual agreement type of thing. It's usually at the one at the end of someone's contract, not after they re up a contract. And two, if they have such a public facing outlet like Tucker Carlson's show was, they would be given the opportunity to, you know, go on air and have like a farewell episode and speak to their audience, etc. Which was not the case for Tucker Carlson. And they did the typical corporate thing where they tell you on a Friday, <laughs> they give you the bad news on a Friday at the end of the day. So you can't make a, like a fuss about it, I guess, is the thought process there. But interestingly, and maybe not so coincidentally, but this news came after Fox had a $785 million defamation lawsuit settlement with Dominion. It's a company that uh, makes voting machines and they sued Fox based on election fraud misinformation, a lot of which was spouted on Tucker Carlson's news-like program. And I want to highlight news-like because it's not straight news. It's not straight journalism. It's not Tucker Carlson on Fox News, much like Don Lemon on CNN are opinion talking heads. One is spouting propaganda for conservatives and Republicans, and one is spouting propaganda for liberals and Democrats. Neither one is news. Both are news-like. They're packaging and selling a product as if it were news, but it's not. It's news-like. But yeah, that that uh, almost billion-dollar settlement that Fox had to do, I feel like definitely was part of this decision. There's also speculation about advertisers wanting to pull away from Tucker, which I find a little bit less believable just because if he has the eyeballs and is the biggest show that they have, and Tucker was also known for having a, a demographic that skewed a little bit younger than the traditional cable news uh, media outlets. Why would advertisers and corporate sponsors who care more about the bottom line than their offspring in most cases, why would they all of a sudden have a conscience? So I put less stake in that, but that is a consideration uh, that I've heard. This next one is interesting, which I've heard. Uh, shout out to Sagar and Crystal from Breaking Point for highlighting this, which I didn't even know, know existed. But a lot of cable news networks, definitely inclu including Fox and CNN, make the majority of their profits from something called the cable carriage negotiation fees, which is the cable networks paying like a Fox or CNN, etc., paying them a fee to keep them as part of the cable news bundle that they sell, which was kind of like an aha moment in a way, because when you think about it, if cable news networks and a lot of like traditional legacy media, if their ratings are so much lower than other available outlets out there, like independent media, podcasts, etc., how are they making money? How are some of their bigger personalities, like a Tucker Carlson, like a Don Lemon, how are they inking these multi-million dollar deals? And if true that these cable carriage negotiation fees are responsible for the majority of the profit that a Fox News or a CNN make, then that answers that question. But yeah, I've heard of speculation around the next round of that cable carriage negotiation fee, you know, deal that they book, that that's not going to be the same, which if that's the case, then I could definitely see from a corporate you know, bottom line perspective, getting rid of the highest paid, lowest rated, or in some cases, just the highest paid employees that you have, because at the end of the day, corporations are going to corporation, 
then you have other things that have come out other like more like embarrassing things like the leaked discord documents that tucker again just like the election misinformation they touted on his show uh did the same with uh these specific discord documents that were proven completely false and like doctored but he ran with them as truth um and they were like counting up the number of ukrainian casualties in the war and counting down or downplaying the number of russian casualties in the war and there was also separate from that the text messages that came out of him saying that he hates donald trump and that donald trump is a demonic force but then on the flip side we just go on air and like carry water for donald trump you know obviously speaks to his character or lack thereof in my opinion and just how like two-faced and full of shit some of these talking heads on these organizations are and then if i want to put my tinfoil conspiracy theory hat on this was the more of the interesting reasons uh behind this happening rupert murdoch the owner of a fox who is very elderly and ill some may say you know on his deathbed or close to it he has two sons that are on different sides of the spectrum and there's like this and by spectrum i mean political spectrum and there's like this power struggle going on behind the scenes on who's going to succeed rupert murdoch he has one son that is more conservative more you know right wing ish and then he has another son which is more moderate closer to liberals still conservative but much more moderate and there's like this push and pull between them behind the scenes on who's going to succeed rupert murdoch and that will obviously have implications on the type of programming on fox etc but yeah definitely big news then on the flip side on the cnn side you got don lemon one of their biggest talking head personalities who's with cnn for 17 years and pretty much took to twitter right away saying that it was bullshit he was pissed he's upset this wasn't like an amicable amicable thing he was blindsided by it by cnn's decision etc and that was after uh, cnn put out a a public statement a tweet stating that they wish him well and this was like an amicable separation type of thing you know like a a pc response to to letting him go and then cnn after don lemon's tweet came back and said that what don lemon said was was false and inaccurate that they did give him the opportunity to speak to management about the decision after they told him about it but that he chose not to etc etc cnn also you know stated a, a drop in popularity of his show so on and so forth so covering their ass basically and now cnn is recently under new leadership and they created this new show around don lemon along with co-hosts caitlin collins and poppy harlow now don lemon has this reputation apparently of being like a dick to work with i've seen clips online so i don't want to put too much stock in in clips which can obviously be taken out of out of context if not seen in in their entirety but from what i've seen it does look like he was kind of like the center of attention or wanted to be spoke over people it's a confrontational apparently his co-hosts have complained about him in the past i'm not sure if it's the co-host that he has now or other co-hosts but you do see with uh the clips that i saw with the co-host that he's with now how uncomfortable they get when he starts like arguing with with the guest for example or like cutting them off and not giving his co-hosts a chance to like ask questions and speak and stuff like that there's a clip circulating saying that you know this is the reason quote unquote why don lemon got fired which i don't think is the case the clip itself maybe some of like the behinds she uh shit behind the scenes shit that was going on 
more so like the, the straw that broke the camel's back uh, type of thing. And it's an exchange basically with between him and Rivek uh, Ramaswamy, who is a Republican running for president. And Rivek is uh, an Indian American. I actually listened to a podcast with him on the PBD podcast, which was pretty, pretty good. But he's making a point of defending the Second Amendment and saying that that's when African-Americans really got rights, when they got the because of the Second Amendment, basically. And Don Lemon is contesting that point and speaking to him, saying Don Lemon proceeds pretty much to like argue with him the legitimacy of that being a historical fact or not of the Second Amendment really being the reason why black Americans got rights in this country. Some like nuanced, obscure point that they were both making, in my opinion, on either side of that. But essentially making the point that, you know, a non-black, as a non-black person, Rebecca Ramaswamy was like black explaining something to Don Lemon, who is black. And that was his like ultimate argument. It seemed like in and of itself didn't seem like, you know, it was just just seemed like a disagreement debate type of thing not too big of a deal um but he did like t- one take that entire segment and not let his co-host get a word in edgewise and she had like this whole stance against china thing that she wanted to speak about with vivek who has uh, strong public feelings about taking the u.s taking strategic stances against china but also and this is where i'm circling back to like the behind the scenes straw that broke the camel's back thing in the middle of the segment don lemon is speaking to producers off screen and he takes off his earpiece where you know producers speak to hosts and you know either tell them what to say tell them to like move on you know like stuff like that feed them information etc because again they're all opinionated talking heads for the most part but he takes off the earpiece and kind of like arguing with them and says i can't i can't um keep this conversation going with you guys speaking in my ear and he takes off the earpiece it's kind of like a a defiant moment against them so i think it's more that type of shit that ultimately got him fired versus like that segment itself plus again the reputation of co-workers saying that he's difficult to work with he's a diva like all that type of shit um the recent gaffe that he had with saying that women were past their prime after a certain age and he was trying to make this weird point about nikki haley saying that politicians were past their prime after age 75. And then his rebuttal to that was telling Nikki Haley that she's past their prime because technically women's are past their prime after their 20s and 30s, etc., which is such a weird, odd point to even try to make, (laughs) let alone arguing the merits of the legitimacy of that, which again, is like prime of what? Is it like having kids, prime of from a career perspective, what career? It was just like such a, like an obtuse argument to make but anyway in my opinion it's all that type of shit that coupled with again low ratings cnn as a corporation losing money if the sweet deal of the cable carriage negotiation fees are not going to be the same the next time around them foreseeing that for their shareholders which every corporation is beholden to starting to make cuts with the highest paid and or lowest rated shows and to quote my man Forrest gump that's all I got to say about that. And that, folks, was episode 232 of the Spun Today podcast. Thank you very much for rocking out with me and taking the time to listen. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to do so. Please stick around for the outro of this podcast so you can listen to a few ways that you can help support the show. Your support means a ton. It not only helps me keep the lights on and pay the bills, but also motivates me 
provides that intangible fuel that pushes me to continue putting out these shows. So again, I thank you. Till next time, peace. What's up, folks? Tony here. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I enjoy producing it for you. Here are a few quick ways you can help support this show. You can support the Spun Today podcast by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. There you'll find my merch section where you can cop the iconic podcasts versus anybody t-shirt in a wide variety of different colors and all different sizes. Also, if you're into cycling, you can cop the super soft, comfortable, minimalist design Spun Today Bike Club t-shirt. Also available in a bunch of different colors and all different sizes. There are a few other designs of different types of t-shirts. Definitely go there and check it out. SpunToday.com forward slash support. It's the merch section. We can also get a dope coffee mug. I have coffee mugs with the brand new redesigned Spun Today logo on one side and the tagline that I end every show with on the other which is start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. The mug is available in both black and white because we don't discriminate here at the Spun Today podcast. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash support and check out the merch section. You can support the Spun Today podcast by checking out my writing. You can go to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing and check out some of my free association writing, which is intended to be some cathartic free writing, but oftentimes doubles down as motivation for myself and others. At spuntoday.com forward slash short stories, you can read a bunch of the different short stories that I've written and actually listen to the audiobook versions of those short stories there as well. Another way you can help support my writing is by going to spuntoday.com forward slash books and checking out what I have in store for sale. Digital copies are available in all formats, whether it be Kindle, iBooks, or a different type of e-reader. You can also purchase paperback copies if that's your preferred reading method. Currently available, I have my nonfiction, Make Way For You, which is a collection of freely written thoughts that were curated and put together as tips for getting out of your own way. Also available is my debut time travel novel titled Fractal. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash books to show your support. Support the Spun Today podcast by following me on social at Spun Today on Twitter, at Spun Today on Instagram. Please also check out and like my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Spun Today, and subscribe to my YouTube page as well. On my YouTube page, not only will you get these full length episodes, but you'll also get to check out some chopped up clips and bonus content. To get to my YouTube page, just search Spun Today on YouTube or click on any of the YouTube icons on the footer of my website. Also, don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever it is that you're listening. It really does help. The Spun Today newsletter is available to each and every one of my listeners absolutely for free. All you have to do is go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and drop in your email address. What I'm going to do is brighten up everybody's least favorite day of the week by delivering five curated things within my weekly newsletter every Monday at noon. You're going to receive a photo of the week, a recommended podcast of the week. I listen to tons of podcasts from an array of varied interests. I cherry pick the very best ones so that you can check them out. I also share a video of the week, which can be anything from a tasty recipe to a dope rap battle to an enlightening TED talk. I also share a quote of the week. And finally, for my fellow wordsmiths out there, a word of the week. 
so that you can step up your vocab. Again, this curated list is yours absolutely free by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and dropping in your email address and you can unsubscribe at any time. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address and you'll get the very next one. If you want to help support the Spun Today podcast financially, you can do so by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. Here you'll find a few different ways that you can do so. You can shop on Amazon, but first go to my website, spuntoday.com forward slash support, click on the Amazon banner, which will take you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It will not cost you anything extra, but I will get credit for driving traffic to their website. Another cool way that you can help support this show is through Patreon, where you can set up reoccurring donations to my podcast, whether it be $1 per show, $2 per show, etc. And depending on how much you choose to pledge, you will receive some Patreon perks in return. Things like free writing pieces, free bookmarks, free digital copies of my books, etc. Again, my Patreon link can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. You can also set up similar reoccurring payments via my Ko-fi page. And if you want to send a one-time happiness bomb donation, if you will, you can do so via my PayPal link. Again, all of which can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. If you're a fellow creative, a cool way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast and actually be part of the podcast is by filling out my five-question questionnaire located at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. Here you'll find the five open questions related to your craft, your art, what inspires you to create, what type of unrelated hobbies you're into, and what motivates you to get your work done. You can choose to remain anonymous or plug your website and your work. And once you submit your questionnaire, I read your responses on a future episode of the Spun Today podcast. It's completely free at no cost to you. And what I like to say about it is that if your responses could potentially spark inspiration in someone else, why not share that? spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. And as always, folks, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. I love you, Aiden. I love you, Daddy. I love you, Grayson. I love you, Daddy.